Hello everybody and welcome to Kana Rinse Volume 4 issue 198. You can play along with the last two games, the last two shows, the last two podcasts of Volume 4, our fourth year up to 200. And that will be Just Cause 2, a little one to get your teeth into. And for issue 200, it is the famous GoldenEye 007. Head to KanaRinse.com for articles, features, reviews, audio interviews, links to our very friendly and intelligent forum. We also have a Facebook page where we uh, disseminate news from around the world of gaming, and we have a YouTube channel um, which hasn't had a lot of new stuff put on it recently, but there's a whole load of entertaining quick rinses and other uh, things on there to look at. We also have a merchandise store where if you'd care to support the show by wearing our flag, so to speak, and also sending a few quid our way, uh, you can buy t-shirts and bags. Uh, and we have another podcast as well, which is all about the love of video games music. It's called Sound of Play, and you'll need to seek that out on uh, iTunes, uh, Stitcher Radio, and other Android services. Uh, we've recently had a couple of uh, excellent composer guests on there. Actually, three, three different uh, folks now. So uh, some interesting stuff worth checking out. Also want to uh, mention, if you haven't heard already, if you're subscribed to the main feed, as you should be, you will get uh, our interview podcast separately. But we've recently had uh, USA Today education writer Greg Topo on talking about uh, the relationship of children and uh, video games. And also we had an epic three-plus-hour interview with the controversial uh, and infamous, some say, Dennis Dyack, Canadian developer, head of Silicon Knights of uh, Eternal Darkness, Metal Gear Solid, Twin Snakes, and, of course, Two Human fame. Uh, so do check all of that stuff out. Most of all, please subscribe to the podcasts. It's very helpful to us. Uh, and review and rate them as well, if you can, if you wish. It'll be most kind. Thank you. Now joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue of the podcast, Darren Gargett. How do you not go hill in some sort of weird, bad impression of Abe's Odyssey? I don't understand. Follow me. That's better. And uh, Joshua Garrity? Hello there. <laughs> Hello. Uh, so, Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey, as it was originally known, uh, retitled for uh, the remake version, which came out uh, starting last year, I think, um, to Oddworld, New and Tasty. That was uh, decided by a fan competition, I believe. Hmm. Um, this is your spoiler alert. This game is, uh, the original game is now 18 years old. You may not know what happens in it or what happens at the end. Things happen. The end can be very different depending on how, <laughs> how, how good a, uh, a hero or, uh, yeah, accidental hero you've been. Uh, there's a good and a bad ending. We'll discuss both later. I learned something that, uh, well, I relearned because this does ring a bell from way back when uh, Abe's Odyssey began production in January 95 under the working title of Soulstorm. Mm. 
would have been a very different sort of vibe if it had been called that. A mm. um, couple of nuggets, tidbits of trivia. Apparently when uh, development was near completion, uh, Oddworld inhabitants realised that there wasn't enough room on the disc to include all of the species they wanted to. So the Meaches, as featured uh, in the intro, I think, um, are removed and um, identified as extinct. Um, they've been eaten to death, basically. Mm. Uh, and there was another sequence apparently which didn't make the cut, which uh, is to do with the, the 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 moon that you see when when Abe's escaping Rupture Farms and heading off uh, to the the tribe of. Uh... Now I've always said Mudokons, but mm. I keep hearing online Madokan. I, I kind of say it like a Street Fighter move, Madokan. Madokan. Yeah. I always say Mudarkans. Mudarkans. Yeah. Yeah, you're just weird. That's okay. not even that's not even the letters of that <laughs> okay. word. <laughs> but we've established before your accent's a bit of a mess. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Lorne Lanning, the, the creator, of course, of the original Oddworld, explained that uh, the CG sequence that occurs between uh, Abe escaping rupture and entering the stockyards was originally accompanied by footage of a meteor shower, mm. creating the shape of, shape of Abe's handprint in order to imply greater forces are really behind uh, everything that's going on. They should have put that in for the new one, surely. Because it, it, it just didn't make any sense. It's just yeah. his hand on a moon. Yeah, I was watching that earlier on, thinking, yeah, I remember that not making sense now and uh, and then. Yeah, I th- thought it was I don't know, just s- symbolic or something. Mm. Um, anyway, but yes, the budget for the game. This was uh, you know a, a pretty much a AAA title back in 1997 was four million dollars, uh, which is uh, you know about what some games get on a Kickstarter these days. Mm. Um, and it always makes me think when I see things like that. I think people you know people are still complaining about the price of video games, um, even though budgets have swelled by ten times and games cost exactly what they did 25, 30 years ago. <laughs> so mm. Seems a bit uh, churlish if you ask me. <laughs> so as a say Oddworld Inhabitants uh, set up by Lorne Lanning um, kind of his the, the whole thing's his kind of vision um, <clears throat> conversions included uh, the PC version digital dialect which you can still get on Steam and I think that's something that's going to come up again pertinent to the fact that you can still buy the originals and play them very easily there was a Game Boy version uh, called <laughs> I think it was called Oddworld Adventures mm-hmm. it was a very uh, very much a stripped down version as you'd expect on an 8-bit black and white uh, machine yeah there was but, uh, Oddworld mm. Adventures 1 and 2 there oh okay yeah, the, the... And it was 2 based on Exodus, Odd, uh, um, Exodus I don't think there were direct kind of parallels okay. there um, I never really played too much of them, but I know the second one was a Game Boy Color game where you know you, ah, okay. there would be a complete different graphical, um, you know, improvement mm. there. Mm. But they they didn't look sort of as um, opulent as uh, say Rare managed to do with like the Donkey Kong Land mm. um, games, no. which sort of uh, aped the SNES graphics. Anyway, Sapphire handled the GB port. GT Interactive was the publisher. Remember them mm. uh, in in the West anyway. SoftBank in Japan, where they renamed the game <laughs> Aba Go Go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is cool in a different way. Um, And obviously the new and tasty version is now Oddworld Inhabitants is the publisher, whereas the developer is Just Add Water or Jaw, uh, who are a British company um, who kind of first emerged with uh, Gravity Crash on the... Yeah, on on PSN, which was a fun um, sort of Gravatar uh, Oids Thrust type of game, Mm -hmm. um, which I have. uh, I like it. Um, And uh, so Lorne Lanning directed the original, but Stuart Gilray uh, as a director for the um, New and Tasty, as I I want to call it. Um, 
Ellen Mayers, or my, I expect some say Majors, but I think it's Myers, um, and Josh Gabriel, who's a, a dance DJ actually, um, worked on the music for the original, and, and a lot of that does make its way in, but there's also new uh, compositions and mixing and stuff from uh, Michael Bross. So the game first came out on uh, the, the day they dubbed Odd Friday, when that was a, that was a thing to do. Uh, we had Sonic Tuesday, mm-hmm. more or Wednesday, I think, yeah. <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. And, uh, and Odd Friday. Uh, PlayStation 1 came first in uh, December, uh, September, sorry, 1997, just over 18 years ago. PC version followed soon after, but not in Japan, where they had to wait four years for the PC version. For some reason, or three and a half years, near enough. Um, since then, in August 2008, the game arrived on Steam and good old games for PC. That's the original version, of course. Um, it was free on Steam last month. So I grabbed a copy of the original. Um, it was free for like a day or 48 hours. So there's no excuse if you've got any kind of PC at all not to own this, because I'd imagine any PC from the last 10 years would run this comfortably. <laughs> Uh, the game, that Game Boy version we mentioned actually came out in 98. Uh, the game is still available on PSN, downloadable and playable on PS3 and Vita, of course, which seems like a great place to play it. Um, came out in 2009 and 2010 and 2013. It came out on OnLive as well, 2011. <laughs> we just have to complete everything and mention that. But the new and tasty version came out in originally in July 2014 and was given away free on PlayStation Plus in March 2015, as predicted by me on our forum uh not to the exact month but it seemed always seemed a likely candidate do you know what i mean uh the pc and mac version arrived in february 2015 uh the xbox one version march 2015 and the ps3 version oddly in april 2015 now curiously i hadn't really picked up on this but a wii u version still hasn't emerged despite Mm. being announced that's less curious that's yeah, I, I can still imagine that happening, but I can equally imagine it never coming out for the Wii U. But more peculiarly, does anyone know why the Vita version is still to be, you know, to be released? No, I, I booted up the Vita last night in a vain hope of, you know, seeing if it was a cross-buy. Cross-buy, you know. exactly what I did, yeah. Mm, I was like, oh, it's not there, very peculiar. So I ended up doing the, the streaming service you can do from your Vita to PS4 and found it, you know, quite a laggy experience and therefore mm. unplayable with the precision you need. For that game, so yeah, I was a bit disappointed to see that you can't play that game on Vita because, you know, with the new features of New and Tasty, it kind of lends itself well to portable gameplay. It's supposed to be coming. Um, it, it's still, I know, you know, at least one of our, our forum users who's a big Vita fan, it's their main machine, is still waiting for the for the for the Vita version to mm. emerge. So, um, I'm not sure if it is has been announced as cross buy or not, but it certainly is. The the PS3 version is. Um, I mm. think. If you've got if you've got PlayStation Plus and you've got both PS3 and PS4, you can play whichever version you like. Uh, the game was uh, critically well received back in the day, um, averaging uh, you know just shy of ninety percent around the sort of eighty eight percent mark. And similarly, um, the well, yeah, maybe maybe the, the new and tasty version has reviewed slightly lower overall uh, in the the low to mid eighty percent averages. But actually, that's pretty positive for a for a remake of a of a near 20 year old game i'd say sales are something that we can't obviously completely vouch for validate but according to our one and only resource vg charts the game originally sold on playstation uh, 1.24 million copies um which i suspect would have made it a success but whether that's accurate or not i don't know anyway uh, let's talk about our personal histories with the game. Darren, you were a fresh-faced young whippersnapper in uh. 1997. 
Um, was this a game that appealed to you back then on your PlayStation? Did you even have a PlayStation? Um, so I was 14 at the time. Uh, very, very hazy memory, but I definitely remember playing this round of friends on a demo disc. Because, mm. you know, as, as a young lad or a kid, you know, you don't really have the money to buy as many games as you do now. And, uh, yeah, it was just popping in a, a demo disc in from... From a, from a magazine. I know there was Demo 1, which iterated on itself with each new iteration of the console, but I think we got this That's from the right. magazine. Mm. And, um, yeah, did a little YouTube uh, search for the magazine demo disc, and obviously someone's played it on YouTube. And just all the noises from the demo disc just sent back a you know a rush of kind of, of like nostalgia and adrenaline. Yeah, and I uh, just remember playing that demo. And just, you know, obviously, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a new teenager in the world, and there's this slightly odd... Very, it's, you know, Just Add Water have been a British development team. It's quite fitting that they picked this game up for development now, you know, as a remake because the game felt very British humor, humor in a way. It kind of, it kind of felt like um, European, maybe more than specifically British. I felt like it, you know, it's got that, it's got that sort of um, like if a, you know, when when like a French studio makes a CG movie, is hmm. that, you know, that kind of. That kind yeah, of vibe, maybe. I think I'm more focused on the farts, to be honest with you. Like, oh, the, you were, the, yeah. yeah, 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 and and the the, the gritty nature. It kind of reminded me of um, mm. a BBC show called Bottom, where everything around the characters, as weird as they were, like everything around them was just filled with grime and grit and dirt, and that kind of appealed to me in a strange way. I, I can't really, yeah. I didn't really realise it at the time, but looking back, it's definitely like that. That is kind of appealing to me. Yeah, I mean that's interesting. Lord Lanning is. Uh, uh, an american um mm. but uh i did always i always felt like he uh, had yeah sort of some uh european sensibilities i mean obviously yeah fart jokes are, are pretty big the whole world over mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> they, they love them in japan and america <laughs> um so when did you actually uh did you I, I remember you diving in when you and tasty came out and, mm. and playing you know rattling through it yeah, well, my love for, well, my anticipation for New and Tasty came from Stranger's Wrath because I know Just Add Water did, you know, that port and yes. it was broken at first and, you know, they fixed upon it and ended up releasing it for PlayStation consoles. And, you know, I, I, had, a, I had faith in Just Add Water to, you know, do justice in this game. So, yeah, I was in day one and um, I, I know there's a lot of people who do, do the usual, I'll wait for PS Plus and that's fine. But, yeah, for me, I put my 18, 19 quid down straight away because, yeah, yeah I was... Um, it's a series that's been long gone and I just love the vibe each game has. And, uh, yeah, I was well, very excited to get back in it on my PS4. And uh, you, which difficulty did you choose to play it on? Because that was one of the things added with New and Tasty. There's a mm. there's a gentler, easy, um, a slightly gentler than the original normal and <laughs> uh, and the original mode, which is, I mean, it's called hard, but that is the one hit kills of the, <clears throat> the original release. Well, I remember the demo on the PlayStation 1 being ridiculously hard, which is probably why I never even finished the demo. I, I just remember yep. it being quite a punishing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, and I played it on PC you know, in, in the years and even in the game shops that I've worked in, I kept, you know, stabbing at it, thinking I could, you know, progress through it as an as a as an older human. Um, you know, and I never really never really progressed very far into it at all. Like I always hit the same kind of stumbling blocks and the checkpoints weren't great. So I went in on, on normal thinking, you know, if, if that's what they're recommending, because I think it says it on the menu, like this is our recommended uh, thingy, mm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so I'd, I'd go for that. And, Which uh, is contradicted by their uh, three-word review that they provided us, but more of that later. <laughs> Um, and Josh, uh, you'd have been an even fresher-faced young whippersnapper in 1997. 
Yeah. Um, but you have some history with this game, don't you? I, I do. Um, usually at this point I go, well, yes, I was too young at the time, so I caught up with it later on. But actually this is a case where um, I did play this game at the time um, because uh, my dad uh, bought it for me and my brother on oh. our PlayStation and he played uh, played both of these games, Abe, uh, Abe's Odyssey and Abe's Exodus, with us, and um, I, because of that, I have a lot of like nostalgia for both of uh, both of those original uh, Oddworld games um, because I kind of associate it with some of the more positive memories I have with my family. Um, yeah, just that's uh, nice. um, yeah, like uh, my dad's not my dad's. My dad doesn't have anything against games, but he's not really super into them. He, mm. I, he often says it's just not his medium, which mm-hmm. is fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, Oddworld is one of the rare games that really kind of captured his imagination. Something about the art direction and the character designs and mm. and the voice work and all of that stuff, uh, whereas most games kind of just don't interest him. This This stuff really, really drew him in. And it ended up, you know, being the uh, the basis for a lot of family in jokes. Like, for <laughs> example, yeah, for example, I mean, for example, whenever we had spaghetti, um, you know, take into you know take into account that me and my brother were very young at the time, so this would be acceptable behaviour at the dinner mm. dinner table at this point. But Dad <laughs> would shove spaghetti in his mouth and. <laughs> start doing slig impressions oh, wow. and stuff That's like amazing. that. It was amazing. Oh. And um yeah, whenever like there's a quote from Abe's Exodus where they're just crossing a desert and they find a bone and they go, It's a bone. And whenever we had like chicken or anything <laughs> and there was some bones left, so <laughs> one of us would go, It's a bone at some point. Um. And and it was yeah, so despite not actually properly completing this game mm. um until you know a few years <laughs> later i have a lot of like yeah just nostalgia associated with this being like a series that i associate with my you know spending time with my brother and my dad so yeah that's that's kind of my history this goes all the way back to the beginning of uh, me as a gamer mm. and you've recently played new and tasty Yes, yes, I finished it for the first time before this podcast. Great. Yeah, I mean, there in a nutshell is why we talk about our personal histories with the game because that's obviously going to inform Josh's uh, sort of feelings towards uh, Abe overall. Just out of curiosity, how old would your dad have been in 1997? This is going to make me feel really old. (laughs) Um, uh, Right, let me do the math here, sorry. Take off 20 years and add two. Yeah, okay, Uh, so... He would have been 34 at the time. <laughs> so about Darren's age now, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a feeling that might be the case. <laughs> Interesting. So I remember also the demo of this game. Uh, now, I was 25, of course, when this came out. Um, not quite as old as your dad, Josh, but getting on that way. Um, and I remember thinking that the production values and the characters were all tremendous. Um, I loved the CG um uh, i like the look of the game i like the ideas behind it um that we'll we'll go into shortly um however the gameplay was not really my bag like i i like the demo from to a point but 
I have generally have a bit of a problem with really overly prescript. What I feel is overly prescriptive gameplay. I.e., every screen in this game has an exact sequence of mm. controls and uh, things that you need to do to complete them. Now, some people absolutely love that sort of gameplay. They like you know the repetition of of dying and trying again. And there are some games, of course, that are you know I find exceptional to this. That even despite their gameplay. I like to play through them. The game that this reminded me of most when I played the demo was Flashback, which mm-hmm. was about five years old at the, this point uh, when this came out. And uh, Flashback, again, similar thing. The graphics, the visuals, the scenario had all completely blown me away. I bought it day one on my Amiga, but I never finished it because I got really frustrated doing the same sequences over and over again and not working them out and, you know, being rubbish, basically. Um, so... Similarly, I didn't finish the demo. Um, I, I thought as much as I... I was really, you know, I remember thinking like the atmosphere was dripping off this, just this short stage and being really intrigued by it, but I just knew that I'd get frustrated by the gameplay, especially as uh, they hadn't... At this point, it was checkpoint, entirely checkpoint-based. Um, they brought in quick saves and quick loads in the sequel, and, of course, they've been brought into the, the new and tasty version, which helps the likes of me enormously. Mm. Although, curiously, i completely forgotten it was a feature until I was about <laughs> two-thirds of the way through the game. Me too. So, so I had been using checkpoints, and even then, I only found out after that you can do a one-touch quick save, quick load with the mm-hmm. pad. So I was still going through the menus and making life harder for myself um but there it is uh so i never played it what what i do have a really strong memory about is uh my friend's partner and they're still together um kath she was somebody who was a you know what you call an occasional gamer and in their house you know now they've got two kids they 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 play games on the ipad and my friend neil was telling me recently how they've been playing a lot of crossy road as a family and stuff like that but kath was like a you know an occasional gamer somebody who wasn't you know, completely immersed in the culture like I was. But she once came up to me and said, oh, I've been playing this game, Abe's Odyssey. And she was saying I absolutely, she absolutely loved it. And, and, it, and it made me think that this was a game that kind of had to cross over because of that level of that huge, super high, you know, production values, the, the characterization, the animation, all that, I think had taken it beyond the kind of traditional game audience and actually it sort of surprises me we don't have tons and tons and tons of hmm. correspondence for this game on the forum you know sometimes it's circumstantial sometimes it's just because a game's a long time ago but obviously there is a remake and and yet we don't have that many uh that many posts but um but yeah curious uh so anyway i basically left it alone i considered getting uh, exodus but then i have that thing where i hate playing sequels if i haven't played the original even when i realized that the sequel might be a you know a, a, a smoother ride sort of thing so i waited and waited until there was a <laughs> until there was a remake um and i even waited until that was on playstation plus and i just played it over the last few days finished it yesterday on normal difficulty and no i didn't uh I didn't get the good ending. I didn't <laughs> rescue enough uh, Madokans, uh, whichever one we're going to go with. So uh, the game is, uh, well, uh, this is something I know that uh, happened to you as well, Darren. Because of playing that demo, hmm. I've basically laboured under the misapprehension for the last 18 years that the entire game takes place in a factory. Hmm. It yeah. doesn't. You no, go all over. That's right, yeah. The, so this is the first time, you know, in New and Tasty that I've, yeah, you know, left Rapture Farms, which I I mm. love the name Rapture Farms. It, it's, it's something so, I don't know, <laughs> like the word rupture to me is just such a weird word, but <laughs> it, it, it's perfect for that, for that, you know, when you see that building in, in the intro. 
it just kind of uh, it just works for me. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, once you actually breach the um, you know the factory, I was quite surprised by you know the luscious greenery around you and uh, the gameplay that happens in there. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it at all. It's kind of um, it's kind of one of those weird twists that's kind of well, not twist, but like reveal that's kind of common in Odd World's games. You know, Stranger's Wrath yeah. obviously has a as a bigger twist as well. Mm. But yeah, but this this was you know it's kind of similar in the fact that you you know you do a thing and it changes into a completely different game style. But I wasn't expecting it, even though the game's like nearly twenty years old now. Like no one's really mentioned it. Okay, so famously the game uh, is kind of uh, around the same idea as Soylent Green, which is, uh, although it's not it's not people this time, it, well, I suppose Mudokons are people too. I don't mean to be prejudiced. Um, but uh, Abe discovers that um, to uh, turn the Rupture Farm's ailing profit forecast around um, because they've uh, hunted a lot of uh, species to extinction with their other delicacies. Um, they're starting to actually put, or, or they've got a concept that what they want to do is put their workers, their already enslaved workers, into a tasty popsicle treat. Um, and it's a pretty dark scenario for mm. a cute game, really, isn't it? Um, but I think that's one of the things that's so appealing. But the opening areas are so very grim and oppressive and scary and again maybe in a funny sort of way not knowing that you actually because i think the overarching structure of this game is quite unusual and not knowing that you spend a huge chunk of what is a longer game than i thought outside of the of the factory um you go into the into some deserts and some woods and you learn a lot of skills and it's kind of this sort of vague metroidvania elements i suppose you could say um because you go off and get abilities that you need to come back mm. um but uh, the thing that really struck me about the sort of uh, asymmetrical structure of the game is you start off uh, and you start rescuing people and you think okay here i go i'm going around the factory i'm rescuing my co-workers you're sending them out of these portals by uh, using the game speak mechanics which is the you know the famous uh, talk to them stuff hello follow me etc uh, another tweak added in exodus and brought into new and tasty is the olia thing isn't it i don't mm. think that was i don't think you could get multiple people to follow you in the not in the original in the original no. um which I mean, actually doing that does have its uh, <laughs> have its risks, but um, not if you, not if you're well prepared. Um, but yeah, so you get fairly quickly after doing some of that, you find yourself, as we've already mentioned, outside the factory and heading off into the into the woods, kind of thing, and and meeting up with this tribe of uh, Mudokons who are not enslaved, so they don't have these creepily stitched up mouths and they're, mm. they're wearing sort of, you know, um, primitive clothes and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really, it's a really appealing and beguiling intro. I, I think I, I, I've always been impressed with how economical this game is with its storytelling in that there's a lot to cover. Like this world is, you know, filled with interesting creatures and, mm. and goings on. But it just throws you straight into it. You know, it sets up that, yeah, Abe's a part of this slave race. Uh, he's going to, he's you know, his people are next on the chopping block. You're escaping. And then it just lets you, you know, find out all the other details for yourself as you go along. So you get a better sense of what the scrabs are 
by kind of directly interacting with them. You get a better sense of what the paramites are by actually, you know, coming face to face with them. And the way the game kind of balances, and, and Leon's already kind of hinted at this already, but the way the game balances humor, but also like a genuine sense of threat and terror is really, I think, is something to be marveled at. Like, the Sligs are the perfect example of this because they are both goofy and ridiculous, but at the same time, they're really terrifying. Mm. Their design is creepy, but, you know, they're they're able to generate humour from them without kind of um, undermining that threat and undermining that creepiness. And I, 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 I find that really impressive. So I suppose um, what we should try to talk about and go into is actually how the game plays. Now, this is resolutely played in two dimensions. Um, The other way in which it reminds me of Flashback is that uh, it's very much, um, you know, your character has a little bit of momentum and there's uh, and they can, you know, you can make him roll. Um, He's got a very specific jump distance, although you can. You can exercise control over that by whether you're running or not running. The way that he leaps and grabs ledges when from a run is very similar wow. to uh, to flashback, um, and lots of similar elements. But actually, there's a it's it's a puzzle platformer at its core, yeah. um, or an arcade adventure in old school language. Um, but there's quite a good mixture of I think there's a lot of different elements. Yeah. And there's also a sort of there's a real blend of um, there's some kind of what you'd call stealth gameplay, you know, simply mm. uh, sneaking, which <laughs> is another control. You hold a hold a you know uh, L one shift key or whatever to to sneak um, behind things and stop waking enemies up. You've got booby trap mines. You've got um, you you can uh, take over enemies by chanting at them. That create that that's creates a whole new set of scenarios but in some places you can't do that because there are chance suppressors obviously the core thing is that every screen in this game makes no kind of real logical sense even though you can believe the locations because uh because the art is so strong and consistent but the the actual layout of the levels makes you know every screen every puzzle makes no logical sense whatsoever <laughs> but yeah. that's because it's a video game and it, mm. it, it i never felt that it mattered but um yeah i was kind of again having only played the demo up to this point seen a few clips and and whatever else i was sort of um taken aback at quite how many different elements this brings into play yeah i'm oh, i really like the the juxtaposition between the visuals and the tone of the world versus you the player and your curiosity with the you know with the interactions around you so the sligs uh, you can you know abe's got a mind control in which you can possess other creatures uh well yeah the sligs and they've got a, they've got a gun at hand so you you trial and error with, you know various things various scenarios with these guys you know you take over one of them and you start shooting around and you find that you can shoot your buddies which is you know it's kind of a dark humor in a way mm-hmm. like it's there's, there's tons of dark humor which is you know definitely right on my alley and then you you um so you, you try, you, you know, you try that out, and then you try talking as a slick to the other slicks, mm. and they start making weird noises at each other that just don't wow. make it any sense at all. Yeah, like little scratchy <laughs> noises and all sorts, and like you can even annoy or you know raise the suspicions of other friendly, you know, therefore friendly slicks, and they start firing at you because you're not acting properly. And there's just so many little levers and buttons you can press to sort of, <clears throat> kind mm. of like you know, d- d- try and find new ways of creating 
laughter. Like there were so many, and it's quite fitting that Abe has a laugh button, you know, hmm. or the ability to make other people laugh because this game is full of dark humor. Like you see a guy scrubbing the deck, like one of your Madorkan buddies, and you just pull the lever and he'll fall down it. And that might seem unfair on your first go, sure, but you know, it's just everything like the audio around it and like you just hear ah down a hole and it, it's sad because you've lost one of your buddies but at the same time you just can't help but just raise a smile because the way they yeah. present the characters is just so comical i i think you know going back to the the mechanics and just the diversity of mechanics i think like leon says it's impressive that there's so much stuff that you can do and so much you can experiment with but at the same time i'm i'm really impressed with how they they've managed to kind of give every area like a mechanical focus so it's not all things all the time Mm. um different areas make you focus on different things so when you're in rupture farms it's all about kind of manipulating the slags possessing them and getting to command the slogs and getting them to attack other slags and what have you but then the you know the areas with the the scrabs where you can't possess them you have to manipulate their aggressive behavior but also their behavior towards other scrabs and kind of account for that uh then you go to the paramite uh, area and they behave completely differently because mm-hmm. if you have them on their own they're not aggressive at all it's only when they're in a group or they cornered. try and lead you all mm. cornered or they'll lead you into a trap where tons of them will ambush you um i i love the way the game kind of sets out like a a, a mechanical uh, statement for every area you go into okay this area is all about manipulating the behavior of this enemy and we're going to slowly build it up so you get used to the kind of nuances of how the paramite works but then we'll just layer on the challenge and then Right at the end, it's just a, you know a hugely challenging set piece where you have to account for all these different things at once. Um, I, I really love the way it was able to balance all of these different mechanics and not feel like uh, it was overwhelming the player. What's interesting to me is, again, uh, I remember playing that demo back in 97 and thinking that the game speak stuff because you don't use a lot of it in that original demo as i recall you pretty much only use the hello and follow me you you don't have to do any of the sort of whistling and password clearing and all this sort of Uh thing but i remember thinking at that point that god this is a bit complicated isn't it you have to hold it you you know you have to hold like an extra button down to say different things this was quite you know i mean obviously there were there were other games that were you know deep rpgs and things things like that but for a puzzle platformer this was Mm. quite involved and i remember feeling again maybe that was slightly something that put me off in that it was like a bit more kind of depth than i wanted back in 1997 from my puzzle platformers Mm. um but what really surprised me now having played through all the way to the end is not only i was expecting the game to be about four to five hours long um and i ended up playing for near eight hours uh and and that's not managing to get everybody out of course but also things like yeah the the slig speak and the fact that you can command uh and talk to you can command these sort of dog-like creatures you can talk to your cohorts uh later in the game there are these um you know voice activated gates and things like that i just wasn't expecting such a (laughs) a level of sort of sophistication and complexity from from this i i thought i i think i just always thought that 
the kind of that demo i mean it just goes to show what you know this is why i don't really play demos anymore and i certainly i i actively steer some people away from certain demos particularly like the old xbox live arcade trials where Uh. you'd hear people saying well that game's rubbish the trial was rubbish and you're like but you haven't seen anything yet you you know it's just it's a horrible um miscommunication um and although I feel that with Abe I was right about certain elements of the gameplay are not for me, that really prescriptive, you know, pure puzzle-solving stuff that isn't just personally my favourite kind of game, I was... I, I think it really undersold how many how many elements, how many areas, how many kind of little hidden treats and hmm. nuggets this game's got squirrelled away in its, yeah, like several-hour running time. This game definitely reached a wider audience, and I've mainly... Maybe that's because the PlayStation was hitting, you know, marketing-wise, you know, a very specific. It was hitting a very specific, uh, you know, casual audience. I guess you know, it was it was breaching out beyond the, you know, the the more dedicated game. The SNES and the Mega Drive had done mm. certainly. Yeah. So I think this game, because you you mention Abe's Odyssey to a lot of people, and they'll they'll kind of they'll know what you're talking about. But I wonder how much of that is just like demo experiences, the fact because people do know the, the game speak stuff, and people who don't really play games, you know, as Josh was saying earlier, his dad, you know, played both of them, and these are quite intricate games, or more so than what you thought. And it, yeah, it surprises me that a lot of people know about these games, even though they haven't really played a game since. It's um, it's a strange I, one. I mean, for my in my dad's case, it's very much kind of the personality of these games that have, have mm. drawn him in. Just the the art direct. I mean, Abe as a character, uh, that design is really unusual for a video game. He's mm. he's not like a you know power fantasy type character. He's goofy and he's a little bit silly and he's cute, but he's silly and the, and he's awkward looking. He's got these weird stitches in his mouth. He's just—he really stands out as a character, and and that that can be extended to um, you know all the character designs in this game. Uh, the scrabs for me always stand out as like the most iconic uh, monster in these mm. games because they've got ads. They've got these giant like <laughs> washboard ads <laughs> on top of this like weird kind of like pterodactyl head with no eyes and these like crab legs and all of and that should be ridiculous that shouldn't work as a design but for some reason it holds together and it becomes this really intimidating and scary monster um but and, and just the fact that it even though it's it's got some inspiration from say like um, H.I. Giga's uh, Alien a little bit in that it doesn't have eyes and what have you. It still kind of stands alone for me, that design. It, it still feels like it's something I haven't seen before. And I think that's what drew people in. And mm. that's what drew my dad in is just that it just is so atypical in so many ways uh, when it comes to its visuals. I really enjoyed, again, an element that surprised me because I hadn't been aware of it was the scrab-on-scrab scrab action. Uh, yeah, yeah. And there's a, there's a really tremendous... I mean, again, I think a lot of the animation's been kind of souped up in the new and tasty version. Um, I haven't been back to the original, even though I did grab it on 
Steam uh, the other week when it was free. Um, but I have been watching some footage of the original and some comparisons. And one of the things you notice is the just it, it looks like everything's got more frames. I mean, I guess everything's, you know, kind of polygons rather than keyframe animation now. So it's easier for things to be uh, to look smooth. But when when two scrabs, uh, when you manage to lure one scrab towards another and, and they then the same place, they kind of do this almost dance like where they twist together and fight and one of them one of them kills the other and that, again that's just another another puzzle element um you know every every area is distinct and separate in a way because they have to be these relatively self-contained puzzles some areas are bigger than others and again one of the key differences between new and tasty and the playstation version is that instead of uh, kind of flip screen or screen wipes you've got uh, scrolling areas um this doesn't fundamentally change the gameplay because the screens are still contained you know the mechanics of areas are contained within themselves and whatever else but um yeah just again the uh, i think the thing that kept keeping me going even when because there are frustrations and we'll talk about those or certainly were for me mm-hmm. um the thing that really kept me going was uh not just the desire to see what happens at the end because obviously you know you can just look that up on youtube if you want also the fact that you have to complete games to be on cane and rinse ordinarily um but just to see what kind of what more what more mechanics were were going to be brought into the game things that i wasn't you know just things that i'd never known about despite knowing of this game's existence and feeling like i had a handle on it for the best part of two decades mm. um i don't i didn't I, va- I had a vague recollection that i knew that he could throw grenades i'd forgotten about the fact that he could throw stones to attract people um i didn't know at all about the elam yeah, sequences yeah. I, don't, yeah, I don't think this, these are your, these are kind of like pure um i suppose in the modern context you, they're almost like free running games although you're you know you are actually pushing right but you're these are these are games where these are sections where you cannot stop you cannot go backwards you have mm. to run on because you're being chased or there's mines or whatever um and it will be um you know Fat, pat, fat platform with mines on remember to jump the mines then a, a little teetery thin platform and then there'll be a platform with a with a spiky ball swinging backwards and forwards and it's that whole you know learning the sequence to get through it generally you don't get sent back very far the checkpoints are fairly generous um and of course you can make them even more generous if you quick save although it's entirely possible to give yourself a, an un uh, an undoable quick save, in which case you'll be uh, you'll be resor- you'll be resorting to uh, restarting <clears throat> checkpoint. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't a fan of Elam, which is just mule backwards. You know, it, I was just like, <laughs> okay, right, we're mm. gonna do this. Yeah, I was just, oh no, like, I, I don't want to be like Donkey Kong Country has minecart levels, and they make sense that they're on and rails. Rambi. Yeah, and Rambi, of course. Yeah, um, they, they, they all feel like part of the world so like you could jump in a minecart and therefore it's out of control and you have to jump along the rails yeah i kind of wish elon was more uncontrollable from a player point of view but more control you know more ai control because i just wasn't a fan of the platforming it I, as um as a platformer doesn't really work for me either but it works better for me than elon like i found that i was constantly having to it's really like precise pixel platforming. And, and in some cases, I'm not too sure if it's you know the same in the original game, but you can see that they kind of like bolted on an extra platform next to the, the rock formations around you. Kind of like they went, oh, hold on, we need to put another bit here. And they just put like a little metal platform just floating in the air. It kind of felt like mm. that part of the game wasn't designed very well in my eyes. And I just, 
and then they started adding like um back like I do enjoy background interactions with foreground like that's quite a nice mechanic and they started adding like you know the guys firing from the background to the foreground but when you're on the back of this this mule this elam and it doesn't control particularly well I just found it to be quite a frustrating experience and it kind of you know it it did make me make me want to run through it because I didn't like it but I couldn't because the controls weren't great hmm. no, I I didn't really have that uh, negative uh, an experience with uh, Elam. To be honest, uh, I, I found most of his platforming sections a little bit easier than uh, Abe's. Mm. Apart from the first one, uh, for some reason, I, it took a while for me to get used to uh, Elam's uh, feel. But after yeah. that, I did find that um, he was... Yeah, I, I didn't find those um, sections too frustrating. And also, I, I liked the sections where... Elam was eating some honey and then it became about kind of right how do we get Elam to move along and stop eating his honey yeah and, and, that was and, cool. they, and they inject him with so much personality um even though you know you don't spend that much time with him overall no, there's two sections um, and I think it you were saying about the first section but I think it's you can choose which temple you do first oh, can't true. you that, so that's true yeah, yeah. so I think because I think you and I both did it in the kind of the reverse order so i think we did the, the the entrance on the right first which is the harder one i think yeah. and the slightly smaller i can't remember but there's para paramonia and the other scarabania yes that's yeah. it yeah so that's that's yeah. your, you've got a choice of which to do there but yeah i love the fact you can talk to him and he gets sad when you leave him behind and all that sort yeah. of thing yeah you know it's kind of abe's odyssey's uh yoshi i guess um but when i started <laughs> yeah. comparing him to other you know, rideables. I just didn't find them as fun. There's a nice mm. weight behind it. Like when you jump, you can feel that sort of that heft. But uh, I'm a, I don't know. I, I guess like in my brain, it's just like it doesn't play as well as Super Mate Boy, so therefore I don't like it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'm, a, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a bit fussy when it comes to my platformers. And when I didn't find it to be as precise as I wanted it to be, it kind of grated I, on me a little bit. And I, I would add that um, in New and Tasty, uh, in New and Tasty, it defaults to this new control scheme, which I did struggle with quite a bit, um, where uh, Abe and Elam just automatically run if you uh, hold the analog stick right or left. Mm. Um, I I found the original control scheme, which you can... I don't think this was the case when it originally came out. No, it wasn't, no. But um, uh, they've added in this option to change the controls so that uh, like toggle yeah yeah that's so probably why i have a lesser experience because i didn't have the option to hold a button to run do you know what i mean so oh, i'm because right, yeah. i played it on day one on ps4 i played um, it on default myself i have to say okay yeah but yeah horses for courses and all that or elams for <laughs> yep, something yep. that rhymes with elams um <laughs> yeah oh now i've put myself off with a terrible joke oh yeah no i know what i was gonna say Exactly what you were just saying, Darren, about uh, you know not as precise as Super Meat Boy. Uh, we can bring back the the old uh, Kane and Rince cliche drinking game uh, <laughs> cue from the past. It's you know Super Meat Boy is now five years old. There's a, there's a fifth anniversary version of it out on PlayStation, um, and I think yeah, if I had problems with this game, uh, they were the ones that I always expected to have. Um, not only that prescriptive nature of of puzzle solving that where there's yeah, very little room for improvisation, but also <clears throat> I did certainly have some areas where I felt like it wasn't entirely 
responding, responding, respond, responding or responsive um, to my exact commands. So there are there are some really tricky points where you've got these uh, movement detection gates which you mustn't be moving, mm. um, and they slide around. And if you if you move or do anything when in their presence, uh, a mine will just hunt you down and kill you instantly. You're kind of tiptoeing. You're doing these dinky little jumps between clusters of instant death mines. And I and I was never a hundred percent confident that the control was going to work mm. as intended. And maybe again, maybe that is the uh, the fact that I stuck with the analog, um, the 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 new and tasty default controls. Maybe actually in those circumstances, whether you want a standing, a short hop jump, or one of the running jumps, that was the big difference. Sometimes it felt like Abe would take an extra step before moving, and that mm-hmm. would be just enough to trigger a mine uh, or right. whatever. Yeah, I also found the de- um, the diffusing of mines to be really hit and miss. Like there seemed to be mm. like a lag between me pushing the button there and is. and a pressing the mine. Well, you um, have to factor that in. I think that's yeah. the point of that puzzle because because okay. all the mines have the same sequence, so they go did it do do uh or anyway something like that. And mm-hmm. one, the longer yeah. press, you're supposed to press the button just before the longer beat, basically. Right, I see. Yeah, I mean, I think I ended up, well, I completed it, so I did work it out in the yeah, end, yeah. or maybe I just brute forced it. But I just remember, I was like, just like in my head, just screaming, like, I pressed the button, why isn't you pressing the mine? And then, you know, you take the accidental roll forward, and it does make you laugh, because, you know, he explodes, and he, yes. you know, he's back to he where... He dies he, a lot. He de- yeah, he does die a lot, and so, yeah. so, so do my buddies, <laughs> or, or not so buddy anymore, because they're all dead. Um, I think I ended up saving like 50%. Um, yeah, just under for me. Yeah, but yeah, th- there's a few, like... It, it reminds me of Tomb Raider 1 where you could be really precise with Lara Croft but as soon as you let go of that button she becomes a bit uncontrollable it reminds me of that in that you know as soon as Abe isn't walking he's, he's a bit of a bit of a nightmare which kind of makes him you know lovable and charm, charming in a way but at the same time it's just like alright Abe come on you need to just get over this now and it's been like 50 yeah. times since I've accidentally activated the emotion sensors um, which the game doesn't really do a good job of teaching you it kind of teaches you by dying which is you know yeah it's just not uncommon but there's like little hints in the in the game where you use your mind control to activate these birds and it takes like forever just to see three words it's like find the something and you're like all right come on let's speed up a little bit i kind of wish there was i don't know like they seem to have a, a good usage well and, and and very bad usage of billboards in the game but i kind of wish they would sort of maybe teach the player you know, uh, using those more. I think that they did it in the PlayStation 1 version a lot more than they did in this version. Like, I'm just not a fan of those birds spelling out letters for me to read for tutorials. I kind birds of just or wish... fireflies? I'm oh, sorry, fireflies. yeah. I, I think I just... The birds, are the, the, the birds indicate your health and... Um, for the teleports. Uh, and the teleports, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I guess I lump in, in the same kind of hmm. ballpark. But yeah, um, yeah, I kind of wish the game was a little bit more helpful to the player. Um. I, I mean, just going back to the the controls. Um, while uh, it it doesn't alleviate all of your issues, um, I, I do think the original controls do give you a little bit more precision. Right. I think that's more in the early game, though. I think some of the challenges in the later game, uh, you still run into a lot of issues with uh, mm. the controls not being quite responsive enough. Um, um, I, I mean, that said. I, I kind of like that Abe has a weight to him mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. characters like, um, you know, Super Meat Boy and Mario don't have. I feel like 
both of those games are very much mechanics first. It's about how the character feels and how responsive the character is um, and trying to overcome, um, you know, the obstacle course you're presented. And that's fine for those games because those games are about kind of the challenge and, and not much else apart from that. Um, whereas Abe, I feel like, is trying to sell you on this world, you know, this world mm. and make you feel like you're in it. And having Abe have a real sense of weight to him and having, you know, certain actions he take have a slight delay. I actually really like how the uh, the mind diffuser works because it feels like a rhythm game to me. Mm. I actually bop my head in time <laughs> with the, the beeps of the mind and try to get the timing right. Um, mm. All of that stuff really kind of, even though there are, you know, issues later on in the game where, um, it, it causes some mechanical problems. It, it really sold me on Abe as a character in that world, despite that. But it's actually a, a, it is a really good example of the, that choice that you're speaking about, whether it's mechanics or animation led first. I mean, it's been an, an endless uh, discussion over decades about, you know, whether a, a football game um it, it, how responsive a football game is compared to its animation so you know famously certain uh people hate the fact that there will be a, a slight lag between pressing a pass button and passing the ball in in you know in versions of fifa or whatever um but that is to do with them wanting to keep the visual pretense up of the players actually playing the ball whereas konami in recent editions of pro evo have gone for the almost instantaneous uh pass and obviously the animation does attempt to to make it look like the player's passing the ball but uh, it happens very quickly so obviously odd world inhabitants or even uh, just add water in 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 this game could have made the decision to make that animation where he presses the top of the mine much quicker you know he could just go slam he could just he could do it and then it would feel like you want it to darren which yeah. is the instant button press uh -huh. but i think it's actually a very specific decision to make it just that like everything in a game just that smidge more challenging by making you have to think ahead rather than respond you know so i think that that kind of philosophy goes all the way throughout the game now there are some sections where you have to kind of just you try it the first time you just try it you run from left to right you're being chased by the the little dog things and you don't know whether you need to jump up the first platform or the second platform and you'll probably die a few times till you work it out but um there's this sort of there are certain areas as well, aren't there? Where one of the things we haven't mentioned is one one of the the, the visual things, and this was in the original as well, is that uh, you can be kind of in the background to the foreground. And again, this right. was something this this offered unprecedented visual depth compared to a lot of games that have gone before. And there are some sections where you start uh, you start an area in a completely safe area in silhouette in the background as a miniature Abe, kind of running you know the course. And actually, the idea is that you can scope it out. And it even says, doesn't it, like scout from afar, the fireflies. Mm. Um, so you look through a section. And I think the idea is that with those sections is that you can actually, you know, you can plot ahead, work out exactly what sequence of events is going to happen. Because, you know, that is one thing. It's generally, apart from, I'd say there are a few sort of odd glitchy moments where things don't respond quite as, as you want them to. But generally, the mechanics are so prescribed and... Um, you know, predictable that if you've seen the layout of a level before you attempt it, you should, in theory, be able to do it without making any mistakes. Huh. 
Yeah, I also use the kind of the scouting method with uh, the the mind control as well as uh, you know of the slicks. Mm. You'd kind of take control of one of them and sort of run ahead, you know, a few screens or in you know New and Tasty's case, you know, wherever it is, you know, just further walking along the level. It's just like right, okay, we're going to encounter this kind of scenario. Yeah, and I do. Um, I, I really appreciate the. Well, I think it was the first time I ever saw foreground and background in gameplay, and I remember very vaguely but like walking up to the doorway in the demo and pressing the up button or the square button to get through the door and he just pops out the back and you're like well where am i like i don't know where i am because you weren't <laughs> expecting him to be that far back and a lot of games have used that since you know i even mm. think donkey kong's used it in you know um tropical freeze mm. and other games like that so yeah it's a mechanic that's you know been a long use since yes yeah, rayman also i think yeah I, you know yeah, yeah. just 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 platform games in general but mm. um yeah i did the but the fact that it kind of gives you a bit of, well, not breathing time in, in some cases, but it does just let you sit, sit at the back and go, all right. But then it will flip it on its head where there will be kind of stuff happening in the background as well. And you kind of have to, you know, quickly react. It's not always um, like, a, like a waiting game, is it, in the background? You, there are things that can happen in the background as well. And yeah, it's a, a very interesting mechanic. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I want to see more games u- utilize that. But, you know, it's, it's kind of very specific for the genre, isn't it? Mm. 2D platforming yes one of the other things that uh, Stuart Gilray the director of the new and tasty version was keen to point out was that although back in 97 the um the backdrops and so on in in the original seemed you know they were quite opulently animated in that they had you know they had some background animation one of the things that they were able to really flesh out was well obviously the game was in uh, four to three aspect ratio as well so they were able to uh, bring bring the widescreen um, but also add you know layers and layers of um, background activity to things going on which I think does do a a good job of making the place feel even more alive like going back to the original and there's there's some comparisons i want to talk about in a bit but it does look quite static by modern standards it looks mm. quite um i don't know what the word is but yeah it's it's just it doesn't look as alive there, there may be some other choices about the art of the original that one might prefer but having all you know the the ability to just have lots of you know conveyor belts and and whatever else or or mm. foliage rustling in the background and all that sort of thing i think does help to um make odd world feel more like a living breathing place i guess that's one of the benefits of having it all done in engine as opposed to fmv layers yeah exactly. um you know because if you've got layer upon layer upon layer on the playstation disc you're going to run out of space fairly soon um, whereas, you know, if you're, I think this game's rendered in uh, in Unity, so it's all kind of, you know, graphics, basically. So you can have kind of, not as much as you want, but you can definitely be a bit more, and, you know, the consoles nowadays are a lot more powerful, so you can do more things on screen at once. And, yeah, I mean, aesthetics aside, I do feel like, you know, the world does feel more believable. And, you know, back in the day, I did love the look of... Um, oh, yeah, it was amazing. Oddworld, you know, all the barrels getting printed, and, you know, it kind of felt like a factory and i kind of felt like how you'd imagine a factory to feel like you kind of just dirty and grimy which they've kind of gotten rid of in the new and tasty version mm. but you know and looking back i do prefer the original art style and um, that most definitely but i think you know without knowing the the four the, you know the foresight of the series and where it's going i'm suspecting that the series is going into a more colorful you know um family friendly kind of uh direction because i I can't imagine they're going to... Uh, I'd like to see them take it back to the original kind of gritty 
art style, and they've they've you know they've, they've tried to keep it intact as best as possible. But I do feel like the series is definitely aimed more at family because um, mm. you know Strangers Wrath as well. It kind of it kind of felt a bit grimy and dirty, but at the same time there was fluffy animals on screen and stuff like that. So I do feel like the Old World series is definitely for for everyone now more than it used to be. I think maybe back in the day it was aimed more at adults. It was a teen-rated game back in 97 um, mm. in the US, um, and I'm not sure what the rating is on, on the new one. I mean, there are still gory deaths and so on, so I suspect it's probably still similar. People still explode, you know, Abe can still explode into chunks. One of the things I really like the most about Abe is the fact that when he mind controls uh, a slig, if he's got no, no further use for him, if there's no trap available, you can explode him you know mm. and 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 the slig is you know begging for its life basically calling for <laughs> its mother and saying don't do it don't do it and then Abe just goes <laughs> you know after it which is pretty you know it's pretty twisted um mm. so i assume it's still but yes um you've brought us neatly on to uh a video that josh found uh for us to look at now unfortunately i haven't had time to see the whole thing but Really, really interesting. Incre- People think we go in depth. Um, this is uh, a great illustration of where somebody who is a massive fan of one mm. specific title, whereas we try, you know, we try to know quite a bit about a lot of games instead of everything about a game. Um, and you know, that's not to say maybe this guy uh, knows everything about every game. But Paul O'Connor, uh, it's a video under um, on the YouTube channel Matthew Matosis, um, and. It's 37 minutes of him. It's really a diatribe on why he thinks, why he prefers the original Abe's Odyssey to New and Tasty. And he really goes into extraordinary detail and depth um, about specific elements of uh, the art, the lighting, um, Mm. the art direction, things like the fact that the Sligs have now got different eyes, you know, Mm -hmm. different masks to to the originals. What Darren was saying is that the factory is now quite... I mean, I still think it's quite oppressive and scary and atmospheric, but it is full of bloom lighting Mm -hmm. and... And it's got this sort of neon quality, whereas the original is grey and grim and gritty and there's blood smeared everywhere. And to be honest, until going back to the videos of the original game, I wouldn't have even thought about it. I'd have just thought, well, this is how this game is going to look in a modern engine. And it looks pretty. I mean, I think New and Tasty is really pretty. Um, the only technical thing that lets it down ever so slightly is I think it sometimes drops beyond uh, below 60 frames. Um, but the the overall look I think is is pretty gorgeous. There are some areas where I was just like, wow, that's that's lovely. Mm-hmm. But going back to the original, I think I think Paul O'Connor's right. I think they had a they had a darker vision. I think you're right too, Darren, a darker vision of how unpleasant and um like a you know, the the factory areas are called Zulags, obviously it's a pun on stalags and it really is, you know, a a, a brutal butchery prison slave factory it's not a nice place at all i think i also prefer um abe's voice work in the original okay um it feels like we should say yeah um it feels like in new and tasty they're playing up kind of the goofy nature of the character when he says hello at the beginning, it's like hello. Like he's just a bit more uh-huh. goofy and clowny. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the original, when he says hello at the beginning, say like, hello, he's a bit more <laughs> cute and reserved. And it's really interesting. It made him a bit more. I don't know. It, it 
instead of him being like this comedy character in the original, he felt more kind of, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here oppressed. is. It's just oppressed, just more sympathetic. Yeah. Um, less, less of a clown and more of an everyman, mm. possibly, um, while also still being kind of having, you know, still having this kind of cute, unique look to him. Mm. Um, it just, it, it felt like I could invest in the drama of the situation more in the original. And that's not to say I, I didn't, I didn't have that with new and tasty. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not quite as, um, negative as Paul O'Connor is in his video. Sure. I think new and tasty has a lot of things going for it. Mm. Um, but I, I do agree that there is kind of a, a more urgent, more, um, emotional kind of uh, mm. uh, atmosphere that's lost in New and Tasty that I felt was very present in the original. And again, it took it took looking back, going back, looking at these videos to actually even appreciate that there was a difference in a lot of these cases. But I completely agree as well. Um, some of the atmosphere that I remember, even just from playing that demo, the things that did appeal to me about playing that game, but ultimately I was put off by my distaste for that sort of gameplay... Did it does feel slightly muted, and I did spend more time thinking this is pretty, this is funny, of new and tasty, and those are those are good things to think. But I do like something with a bit more edge to it, and I think mm. I think some of that's been polished off in in the new and tasty remake, which yeah I think is a shame. I mean, we should say Lorne Lanning is now the um, you know he's the head honcho still at Oddworld Inhabitants. He worked with uh, Just Add Water on. The uh, on the various remakes they've done of the Odd World games, and so he's absolutely behind this game. You know, there there is no. This is not like some you know punk startup studio has just said, "Ah, we'll 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 knock up a, a quick and easy port." This is done with the complete uh, backing and and sanction of the original director, and and and. But you know, maybe he's done that thing. I, I, it almost makes me think of the famous uh, tweaks that uh, Spielberg made to ET with with the uh, the famous um, the penis breath comment and changing the uh, the guns on the on the agents' belts to torches and things like that. I'm thinking maybe Lorne Lanning's just mellowed. Maybe he's done the middle age mellowing thing. Maybe his vision for this really dark, twisted, kind of macabre, Roald Dahlish sort of tale has actually softened. He actually feels maybe maybe it was a bit too, you know, a bit bit over TT or something. I mean, we can only speculate. We can't say, but it interests me. Yeah, I think uh, Paul O'Connor's video is very interesting because he goes into a lot of detail about the animation and how, like, the 60 frames kind of hurts it like you'll see it on the front end where a pops his head through the uh the, the frame and he says hello to you it kind of does it so quick that that doesn't really feel like the same weight as there is in the gameplay there's, there's little yeah. things like that that kind of he, he had some really good points in that video but ultimately i do feel like he was i don't know like yeah i felt like he was too he was too biased he, was probably he said bit, he said he was pedantic yeah uh, yeah he, he, you know he does yeah. he does point out near the start he says look i'm you know I'm, I, th I think he i think it's a case of he's so um, picky and analytical mm. because he loves it so much that you know you, you do yeah. you do you are harsher on things you love because you know you care about it Absolutely. more and therefore you want to you know you want to point out its flaws but yeah i mean th there were some things in there that 
kind of like the the, um, the the billboards in the game that advertise other games. I, I didn't notice that when I was playing it in New and Tasty, but you'll see like no, an advert for I. Velocity yeah. 2X. I'm like, oh my, that really yeah, pulls you out. I didn't notice those at all. But yeah, he makes a really good point about, you know, the original game is a dark satire on, on consumerism mm. and, and, you know, it encourages you to think about the, the fact that whenever you spend money, you know, this is something that I think about a lot as I get older, you know, spending money on products by Nestle or Coca-Cola is a really bad thing to do um, because they have a massive knock-on effect on other cultures and societies that, that aren't ours. And, yeah, by actually replacing those that satire with actual adverts is is really kind of like like hmm. Paul O'Connor's really strong on it. He said disgusting, but I think he's right that it's an insult to the the original vision. Yeah, 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 and you know, but for most of the video, I was just like, oh, okay, this is probably how I would talk if I did a video breaking down, you know, the the remake of Goldeneye or something. It's, on yeah, the, exactly. It'd be like, oh, they didn't do this originally, but when that billboard thing came up, I was like, oh god, yeah, that's that's really bad. It's and crass, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just unnecessary as well. But I really right. didn't notice any. Maybe they've have they taken them down or something? Do they not function anymore? I I did notice because um, okay, we've played uh, it at the same time, so I must have just yeah yeah. No, I I, I did notice a secret ponchos um at the, oh God, I did forgotten about I that game. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't notice worked. a Velocity Two X anywhere in it, but uh, <laughs> maybe I just missed it. And it's interesting what you say. This is a, a wider conversation that might actually be an interesting thing to do. A, a com- we, we occasionally do what we call conversational podcasts, which is where we just talk about a topic. But the whole um, 60 frames actually removing weight thing is something that has been in my head for ever, really, ever since I understood about the difference between 60 and 30 frames. Now, mm. in most cases, you know, I would prefer the smoother frame rate, the better, I think, you know, especially coming from... You know the arcades of yore where uh you know the smoother the frame rate and the more responsive and the fact that you know you need everything to be happening second by second in games like defender and whatever else you would assume you know 60 frames always always equals best but i've even felt in some 3d games first person and third person that sometimes 30 frames gives it an extra weight and an extra cinematic quality that when like when I pump my you know my PC which is now a few years old but it's still pretty capable compared to the consoles you pump something in that up to 60 frames and on one level you're going wow that is really impressive it looks really video like and you know kind of immediate but on another level you're thinking it's lost a bit of heft it's lost mm. a bit of weight and i think also one of the charms of abe uh, is that he almost had a quality of like a stop motion animation. It almost looked like yeah, it was yeah. kind of clay claymation quality stuff, whereas now it absolutely looks like CGI. And again, there's loads of CGI that I really love. I love Big Hero Six. I love Wreck It Ralph, all, you mm. know, and Toy Stories and whatever else. But again, there's something like what Ardman do that with 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 Wallace and Gromit and whatever mm. else that that has an incredible organic. Like a, I really hate doing it because obviously we love digitally generated things, but sometimes practical effects, which is a, this is effectively the difference between practical effects and digital effects. Practical effects have more soul in inverted commas. <laughs> it reminded me. This is going to sound weird, but uh, during an episode of Friends, sometimes they'd speed up the intro segments where the, it would like it would do the <laughs> Friends song, you know, and there'd be the, the little clips they show of you know the guys and the girls doing their thing one of the clips <laughs> yeah. would be really fast as if like they haven't converted it from ntsc to pow properly and it's okay. kind of really sped up and it you kind of play the benny hill music in the back of your head and it <laughs> I, I know it's only friends and it's a comedy it's you know whatever but it kind of removes 
what you know about those characters. And, the, you know, it had mm. the same happened with Abe. It's kind of like he stuck his head through the hole so quick that you don't really yeah. see the animation. <laughs> and you're like, oh, God, he's there. <laughs> hello. And you're like, and then there's even like a bit of lag between him saying hello and the yeah. animation of his mouth saying, like, you know, doing the motion. It was, <laughs> I don't know, yeah. like for, for an opening, for a front end that's so iconic, uh, <laughs> that they, they kind of, I know it's a nitpicky thing, but they've, they've, they kind of didn't do it justice. It's only nitpicky if it doesn't. Yeah, if it, like yeah. if it has an effect on your appreciation of something, then it's worth mentioning. So mm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, because uh, sound is always a big deal for me, so I'm I'm going back to sound. Yeah, again. please do. Um, w- one of the things that um, I found, and this is, I think, this is purely uh, seated in kind of my nostalgia in a lot of ways, is that I actually found it. Um, I found it to be a negative that they redid and also varied a lot of the um, the voice work for all of the characters in the game mm. uh, because my child's brain, as yeah. it were, got so used to the pattern of mm. the the game speak and the conversations and the certain sounds that would trigger that the fact that. Um, that was no longer happening i wasn't getting that kind of hello and then all of them going hi at the same time Mm -hmm. and 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 you saying follow me and they go all go okay they kind of vary their responses even though that i know that's more more natural that's more or um more organic i I just can't help but feel like it's lost a bit of the magic for me Mm. and i i've I'm, you know, I'm talking this through as I'm thinking about it, and I'm realizing, I'm realizing that I'm sounding a bit ridiculous here. But just those sounds, those noises, those ways that the characters speak was so magical to me when I was kind of like seven or eight. That um, for them to change that so drastically, kind of muted that magic a little bit. Um, I don't know if that makes sense uh, at yeah, all, does. but yeah. I mean, I mean it's, been, it's been about half an hour since we mentioned Super Meat Boy, but I've just played the Super Meat Boy on Vita, so you know, I thought I'd bring it up again. But they changed the soundtrack for that, mm. and it, like, it's the forest area, and I played through it last night, and it just didn't have the same quality. The, the, the gameplay is the gameplay, and it is what it is, but it doesn't make the same noises as it did five years ago, and it, it kind of jarred me a little bit, and I was like, oh. Like, even the little interlude, the kind of... The, you know the surprised meerkat noise dun, dun, dun. they've changed that and it kind mm. of it has a knock-on effect and i'm not to say i didn't like playing super meat boy on the playstation but it did hurt me a little bit like oh absolutely oh, my, my josh nostalgia. and i've already talked about this and and, it, and it's not necessarily for this podcast but i think ah. it's relevant in that um you know because like josh was sort of saying or he expressed it as objectively this is worse and i said well i don't think that's i don't think you can say that there's actually there's a lot of you know to your taste it might be worse but i think there's actually a lot of good composers and i know some people mm. are particularly um not enamored with that opening world music but i actually like it and and mm. i've spoken to some people who have never played meat boy before and they're like what's the problem mm. and i think that's part of it is whether you've been exposed to to the original before um unfortunately darren baronofsky has completely fallen out with team meat so as much as i i do adore that original ost of course um it ain't coming back so mm-hmm. <laughs> unless they have some uh, some some makeup but but no, it is it is relevant and is interesting what you say because I think like I my assumption is that they re-recorded the voices probably because the original either the you know the original sound files may have been lost or you know in the in the original PlayStation game they're quite compressed and quite muted sounding 
and so they probably just wanted to re-record them in 5.1 and you know and, and whatever else um but but also yeah maybe maybe it does also tie in with this slight softening of of things that we've talked about that said i do like the fact that uh, as somebody who didn't complete the original or play even to the end of the demo i do like the fact that when you talk to a group now they do speak kind of as individuals to a point because it does make them feel to me more alive more as a group of mudicons that you want to save rather than uh one sprite recycled up to you know eight or nine times mm. or whatever um so yeah, i think i think it's a it's a your mileage may may vary thing uh, like i i think overall anyone who um doesn't go back and compare and contrast or certainly people who have never played Abe's Odyssey before will not have enormous amounts of problems with things in New and Tasty like I remember you saying at the time Darren this is like this is a remake that looks and feels like the original did to you at the time and that's mm. the sign of a remake that's been successful in your eyes and I completely agree and it's only been looking into this for the podcast and I'm really glad I did. You know, one of my favourite things about making Kane and Rinse is, is going into this stuff. And I'm really glad Josh found this video. But if I hadn't looked into that, I don't think I'd have actually been that aware of mm -hmm. a lot of the changes that have been made. I'd have just thought, oh, cool remake. You know, good game. Uh, I enjoyed it. Mm. Uh, and and it was very pretty and it looked like a, a modern game. But all these changes, are, uh, I think they're pretty subtle to for the most part, Absolutely, unless you're yeah. incredibly familiar with oh. the source material. But that said, you know, the the one remake that I always cite as being offensive to me, it's not even a remake really, it's a sort of successor. Luckily I can't luckily I can't remember who did it, but for Konami, a few years ago, somebody made a Vandal Hearts uh downloadable game. And it to me is just hideous like it looks hideous its atmosphere is just missing everything like on a f core fundamental level it's a turn-based japanese style because it's not japanese anymore style strategy game but at its heart at its soul it feels like a, a an abomination to me and i think that new and tasty like even as strong as john o'connor's opinions are on this I don't think anyone could call this like an insult to the original, apart from Absolutely some not. of those small yeah. elements. I mean, I, I think for me, a lot of my problems with New and Tasty are just derived from the fact that I have such strong memories of the original. I can totally see somebody who's uh, never played the original playing New and Tasty and thinking it's a fantastic game. Because, I, I mean, I think it is. I think it is a very good game. Mm. And there are a lot of things that um, have stayed consistent with um, Odyssey and this version, one of which um, uh, is the use of music in the game, which I think is really strong. Um, it kind of does the... Uh, Left 4 Dead thing, where it uses music to kind of inform you of the threats that are going on in the environment, and they haven't changed that at all. So when the scrabs are in the area, there's kind of 
a, a, a theme that plays that just goes, right, there are scrabs in the area, just so you know, they haven't noticed you, they can't see you, but there are scrabs all over the place. Mm. Um, the moment the scrabs see you, the music changes and it, you mm. know, it in- increases the tempo mm-hmm. and it becomes more threatening. And I love the way the game does that. It, it's not just with those creatures, but it does it all the way through the game where it uses music to you know give the player information about what's going on and what's going to happen um and and it's just really good as well i i think the music that plays once you've possessed a slig really invokes kind of the cybernetic feel of the slig Mm. and the the awkwardness of the slig um it just injects so much personality into everything you're doing in the game definitely I can't really recall the music or the the ambient noises. Uh, the only one that the only one that sticks in my mind is like bird noises in the background, and kind of like a bassy. It's kind of yeah. that's that's mm. the first thing that pops to mind when I'm thinking of a sort of see unknown and tasty. But maybe that's a testament to how good the music is directed. Is that it's so it's not. I don't think they're catchy tunes. That's why they don't stick in my yeah, head. But yeah. maybe they worked as a gameplay vehicle, you know, to tell me that this is happening. Definitely, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I don't think these are tracks that you would listen to as an album per se, but mm. I think they work very, very well in context. Mm. One of the most controversial additions to New and Tasty, um, and this is based on my research, looking into what this song was, and then looking at the comments and. <laughs> So the end song, the original game had an end song, which was very much along the lines of what what you just said, Des. It's a kind of, um, it's, a, it's a gentle sort of a reprise of some of the in-game music with these sort of ethereal, alien, otherworldly noises playing mm. over the top. And it's it's quite moody and mm-hmm. it's quite um, atmospheric of it, of, you know, of the odd world. And it kind of says that, even if you've got the the happy ending, you know this world is not necessarily a peaceful place. It's still a, it's still got dark dark underbelly and things like this. Whereas the end song they've chosen for New and Tasty, it's by uh, Australian songstress Elodie Adams, who I read somewhere is a big Oddworld fan, and that's how this came to be. Right. But it's this song. It's called Born to Love You, and it's like a big old end of movie torch song you could imagine it at the end of uh maybe a silent hill game or uh maybe even a metal gear solid game but it's just such a weird i mean i don't i didn't hate it as a song it's not my bag but i thought i thought i could imagine it working at the end on the end credits of a video game just Mm, not necessarily this one (laughs) it's it's yeah i i don't think it's a bad song either i just think it's just such a massive clash in (laughs) tone and atmosphere Yeah. yeah It, it doesn't work for this game. It kind of feels like it would be a song at the end credits of Soul Blade or Soul Edge or something like, you know, like a, a very Japanese game, I guess, if you know what I mean. But in here, in Abe's Odyssey, or New and Tasty, it's so non-musical, as we just said, and it's so moody and the juxtaposition between the dark and, the you know, the light. And this song just sort of, it just feels so shoehorned in right at the end. It's like, it, yeah. I hadn't heard the song before because I, th- I think when a credit rolls, I, I you know, I tend to just 
have a cup of tea or something. But so I hadn't heard this song when I completed it on PS4, but listening to it just before this podcast recording, I was like, that is just so out of place. It's weird. Yeah, it's especially out of place because on this playthrough of New and Tasty, I unfortunately got the bad ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's even more jarring there because it, you've just witnessed <laughs> Abe's horrific death. Yeah. And then you have this song afterwards. Yeah. Born to like, love what? What's going on? Yeah. Well, we should talk about that, but um, I suppose the thing that leads up to whether you get the good ending or the bad ending is uh, how much of a how much of the game you solve really, how much of a completionist you are, how much of a perfectionist you are. Um, I don't have the patience or the time to be a perfectionist, but there are. I suppose the factory at the start of the game has three hundred employees. Is that right, including Abe? Yeah, that sounds I right. Yeah, so. and yeah. you can. I think you have to rescue. F- uh, half of the rest of the Mudokons to get the good ending or or just just above half maybe something like that it's 150 you have to rescue in order to exactly. get the good ending just beyond half and yeah. um of course one of the added bonuses uh that bring the new and tasty version brings is that you get trophies and achievements and of course uh there are trophies and achievements for completing it on the harder difficulties and for collecting, catching, rescuing, whatever you want to call it, every last Moodacon. Now, I think that is quite a challenge. Um, Is it something like I know we've got listeners who would absolutely not consider this game to be complete unless they did it properly. Um, But it would take it would take a lot of effort, I think. And like things I I didn't even know until right late in the day that you could um, get get them to duck so like sometimes you'll be in a yeah. room you'll be in a room as a controlling a slig with a line of a line of uh, mudicons all scrubbing away at the floor but if you don't tell them to duck before you shoot you just kill them all it's really uh-huh. brutal um but that's another cool little mechanic is that it's like get down and then you uh, mm-hmm. and then you can shoot your, your compatriots but i think there were whole areas of this game that i just didn't managed to get into i know i noticed some of them like there were some gates and things that i never quite got to but i think i don't don't know how i miss so many but i don't know yeah how many how many did you guys get can you imagine yourself ever doing it complete i I mean when i played the original version i did manage to get somewhere near 160 of them okay um uh, so i did manage to get quite a few there still a lot of content or you know yeah. that you haven't yeah, that, done that is well. yeah a lot of deaths and i just i feel like there are a lot of portals that are really really hidden in the corners of the world mm. um i imagine there's just loads of them in uh, scarabania and paramonia that i just completely i didn't even see right. so um i know there are a, uh, there are a couple when you're escaping um from rapture the first time uh there are uh, little areas uh, at the bottom of the screen okay. where you can um get into portals but yeah i there if they're there they're really really well hidden yeah. and as like especially because um at the beginning of the game it tells you if you leave now mm-hmm. um leave rapture farms now everyone that's on shift will be killed oh yeah God. um that explains and it. I think there were like <laughs> that explains 40... why so many died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think there were like forty nine left. Mm. I had no idea where they were. I had no idea where I was meant to go to rescue these forty nine. There are so I've got forty nine dead. Yeah, um, yeah. There are, but um, 
they don't, are they mm. are they in the early stages of the game or are they are yeah, just I think in the late oh, th- there right, is okay. one but yeah no I did exactly the same and I and I didn't really realize how much of the the game I was kind of sacrificing there and it's why I was moved to to comment on the slightly bizarre overall structure so normally in a game like this you'd think well in maybe in a modern game it would always give yeah. you the chance to go back mm. but in a in a in an 18 year old game there's a kind of you go any further and that's it you're never going to complete this game properly um there's a chapter select um which i assume is a new and tasty addition but i don't know whether you can use it to go back and do sort of section at a time and and complete it that way literally a chapter select i was just about to say i would have rescued all the more i guess if i had more uh agency over where i could replay sections yeah because i'd like to just drop back into a room that maybe you've unlocked but couldn't be bothered or had the patience for at the time so maybe you can jump straight back to that room Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah there's no option i I did want to and uh every time i play a game that i know has things to save i always go with the best intentions i'm gonna gonna save everything or everyone or you know find all the things and then it gets about halfway through i've just checked my trophies and i haven't rescued half of them so okay I think no, at I some point I, in the end. I just sort of went, oh. <laughs> I got a quarter, I think, and, and, and change. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, any Abe superfans who are listening to this uh, say that we haven't finished the game properly, we're sorry. We only yeah. ever pledged to get to the end credits, <laughs> which we all did. But, um, but you I, know, I, I can yeah. bang my head against my favourite platform games, uh, like, you know, and 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 get to a point where I can't do it, so therefore I I just can't, and I won't. So New Super Mario Brothers U, uh, you know, I will get to the very last levels, um, you know, Super Mario 3D World, I'll get to that last, very last stage, and I will give it a few hours, um, you know, I've, I've played that last level of Mario 3D World <laughs> so many times on my own, two-player, four-player, and I can't do it, so I've just left it, and, you know... Yeah. Sometimes you just got to let those hard to reach chips go, as the, mm-hmm. as the quote goes. Um, but yes, it, it, you know, in an ideal world of infinite time, uh, then that's the sort of thing I would undertake. But I mean, I, I guess you know, thinking about it, the quick save and quick load that they added, which, as I say, I completely forgot about for more than half the game, and then still used it the clunky way instead of the uh, quick way. <laughs> um, compared to the original checkpoints only version. Uh, it's going to make things a heck of a lot easier uh, if you, if used correctly. But mm. um, but still, that's a mighty challenge. And as I say, given my playtime was over, I think, seven and a half hours or thereabouts, um, and I got only a quarter plus of the Mudokons, um, I think you're looking at a considerably longer mm. playtime to, to do it all properly, which comes back to, I remember when the new and tasty version was just about to come out, when it did come out, and I, I was asking you whether it included Exodus, because I always felt like with the new title mm. and the fact that they'd had the chance to make this new 3D engine, it made sense to me that they would kind of bundle them together, because Exodus is set literally right after Odyssey. So it just seemed like a good idea to me. And when I saw the price, the 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 launch price, which was, as you say, around 18 quid i mean mm-hmm. it's since been discounted multiple times and given away for free and and whatever else but i was hoping it was like both games but actually i'm kind of glad it wasn't because i don't think i could have played another however many hours although i suspect exodus had some nice um refinements and i, I don't know if is, are they are they making new and tasty type exodus it's been heavily hinted in like live streams and stuff like okay. you know look out for Abe in the future wink wink it's kind mm-hmm. of like this game seems to be on enough formats and it seems to have done 
well enough for the enough. series to yeah. uh, you know be, be revived. I mean, we never know because I understand that the way that it's done with PlayStation Plus is um, that there's no like fixed fee per game, but Sony makes an offer to a to a publisher or a developer or both, mm. and says this is how much we think this game is worth to have on PlayStation Plus and the developer takes it or leaves it, basically. Mm -hmm. So it's entirely possible that if they offered, you know, a good chunk of money for PlayStation Plus um, feature, then they may have uh, they may have helped fund, you know, the, the, the exodus, which, which I would welcome. But it would be interesting to see how aware um, Just Add Water and Oddworld are of some of the criticisms that have been levelled at, at the remake because... I think, you know, critically, it was pretty much as, about as successful as you could expect a game like this to be. You know, low mm. 80s, low to mid 80s for a, for a remake of a 20-year-old game is very, very positive. Good. Yeah. Mm. Uh, a couple of interesting tidbits. Uh, this is apparently, I don't know this for sure, the, or the original version is one of the first games to uh, force kick the player to the menu if the player remains <laughs> idle. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's like a screensaver. Um, another amazing bit of trivia. The Scrabs barking noise was used in the 2010 sci-fi horror movie Daybreakers. Mm. It's a good noise. But back to more game-related matters. Uh, apparently, if Abe rescues all the Moodicons, uh, a cutscene entitled Guardian Angel is unlocked. Uh, in it, Abe is trapped by a mysterious creature known as the Shrink. The Shrink was originally going to appear in the form of a boss fight, until GT Interactive realised children would be interested in buying the game, although it was teen-rated, uh, and the character was cut. During production, its name was simply Angel, and its final name is based off the slang term shrink, which refers to a psychologist. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that would have been incentive enough back in the PlayStation days. I remember doing all sorts of things, jumping through all sorts of hoops just to see a CG cutscene in those days, but now you'd want a trophy or an achievement. <laughs> so <laughs> luckily you can you can do that. Um, yeah, we actually, um, yeah, talking about those endings, the, the it, it is as simple as that. If if you get more than half, um, all the, the, the tribe of Mudokons from out in the, in the sticks uh, save you. And if you don't, uh, they <laughs> it's quite an amusing cutscene. They're all standing around having a debate whether they should save you from your fate. You've been caught by um, uh, Gluckon, whatever he's called, the, 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 the guy in a suit. And if they don't come and save you, you just get dropped into a pit and chopped into pieces. <laughs> and the little grinder machine burps at the end, which is, again, the, the juxtaposition of the harsh of, you know, Killing yeah. the primary character, the main character, mm. and then a little burp like something out of Trapdoor, like an old cartoon, like just inanimate objects making noises that we make. It just, mm. it, it works for me. Yeah, and it reminds me a little of a uh, spoiler for 25-year-old bullfrog platformer Flood. It reminds me of the famous <laughs> ending to the game Flood, where after 30 levels of extremely difficult vertical platform climbing, uh, you emerge out the top of a drain and get immediately run over <laughs> at the end. Uh, but there was no option about that. There was no good ending version of that. That's just what happened to you. Uh, apparently there were a couple of cheats. I don't know if these are implemented in New and Tasty, but um, some button sequences would get you um, the ability to so solve any of the sort of code-based, you know, Simon Says voice-type puzzles with any sound. Um it's a, hmm. literally a cheat. And apparently also there's a, a more powerful fart 
anyone access to <laughs> unlock this? Nope, not uh, doing after this podcast. Yeah, I don't know if it's in you and Tasty, but apparently, apparently, I only read it somewhere in the original. Uh, there's a sequence which gives you an almighty green gas fart. Brilliant. So as always, we must now hear from our community. There's only the one post this time in uh, in long form, but uh, we're very grateful for it as ever. This is from a regular contributor at the forum, canorince.com slash forum, alex79uk. He says, I don't remember whether the first time I played Abe's Odyssey was on the demo disc bundled with my PlayStation or one that came free with the magazine, but I do remember playing that demo over and over again until I could afford a copy of the full game. Something about the game just grabbed me. The art style, the animation, the story, the farting. I just loved the game. It was a brilliant mix of stealth, puzzles and platforming. The game gets off to a terrific start and doesn't really let up until the end. It's fantastically challenging in places. I've still never rescued all the Mudokons in one playthrough and got the best ending. I always manage to ball something up and get some killed or go through a one-way door to the next stage without clearing the previous one. I love riding on the creatures you can find in the later levels and there's not much more satisfying than possessing a slig and blowing his friend's brains out or walking him off a cliff. I can't leave a comment without mentioning the GameSpeak system too. It was a lot of fun using the vocal commands to have your friends follow you or just make them laugh with a comedy fart noise. The exchanges between Abe and his Mudokon brothers were always charming. The whistling in particular I always found really enjoyable to listen to despite only being two seconds long. It had an almost ethereal quality, haunting even. Maybe that's just me. As for new and tasty, I've only played it for an hour or so. I'm waiting for the Vita version to do a full playthrough. But what I played was nothing short of excellent. Touched up graphics, which in my opinion needed very little work. The original has dated incredibly well. And some gameplay tweaks, meaning you can have multiple Mudokons following you, a feature not added until the original game's sequel, just made it a perfect update. And I'm very much looking forward to playing it properly. Overall, I'm a big fan of the Abe games. They are true PS1 classics that I'd urge everyone to try. Thanks, Alex. And yeah, on that subject, I was talking about how, you know, we talked a lot about the differences between the original and new and tasty. You you could recently buy both Abe's Odyssey and Exodus on PlayStation Network in a sale for it possibly still on at the time of recording. I'm not sure, but no doubt they will be again. Two pounds a piece. So uh, so there's no real need to complain about the remake because you can just play the original. It's available on Steam. It's available on good old games. Um, there are you know you can play it on a PS3 or a Vita um, consoles that I suspect most of our listeners have access to. Now we have some uh, cool three-word reviews and uh, a little interjection during this, unusually as well. Start mm-hmm. with Darren. Mm. Alabaster Mage says cute but dark. Nicholas Cuck says free finger review. That's clever. I like it and uh, opens up another little uh, interesting uh, nugget of trivia. So originally uh, the Mudokon hands uh, used to have four fingers, but this was originally changed for the game's Japanese release uh, and the sequels because uh, it's an insult in Japan to uh, mock people with a with a four finger hand symbol. And the thing I really like about this is um, it kind of ties in because it was to do with um, specifically to do with uh, meat people in the meat packing industry losing limbs or fingers, mm-hmm. and so holding up a. a a, th- a three-fingered hand is is why I think um, there's other cartoons as well where this has been an issue in Japan, but it's it's something that's frowned upon. So it's actually a kind of bizarre, um, sur- circular kind of thing going on. And also, and this was uh, another interesting thing covered in uh, the video we mentioned um, in the very the the old version, the old Western version of the original game, the Mudokon pops. Uh, 
advert, which is, you know, the thing that the Gluckons are suggesting that they make the Mudokons into, was a severed head on a stick. Um, and for Japan, they replaced that with a sort of lighthearted logo, um, like a, 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 a an ice lolly with a with a face of a Mudokon sort of uh, mm. stitch lips and sort of thing. And, and as Paul O'Connor pointed out, uh, actually... I think that fits in better with the other adverts for the for the products that the mm. Rupture Farms makes because you wouldn't necessarily have a, a head on a stick. The whole point is that the advertising masks the horror of the real product, like KFC, McDonald's, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that actually, I think that works really well. Uh, next three-word review, then. It's Craig Ventz. He says, flatulence as mechanic. Mm. Matthew Woolley, he also says, the fart button. Alex Dola says, gorgeous platforming masterpiece. Now, the next one, uh, I tweeted at uh, Lorne Lanning, uh, who hasn't responded, but uh, maybe he has, or certainly um, some people uh, related to him have, because Oddworld Inhabitants' three-word review is hard mode only. Uh, so that's interesting, and that made me look into what they said about the difficulty modes, um, or yeah, what what Oddworld and and Just Add Water said, um, because I wasn't really aware playing this what the differences were. Uh, so <clears throat> the differences are one of the things we found ourselves being asked on a regular basis is will New and Tasty be as difficult as Abe's Odyssey? Fans of the '97 original understandably want a tough challenge with a new game, but we've had to ensure that everyone who ended up smashing their controllers before they even left Rupture Farms doesn't do exactly the same again with New and Tasty. In truth, Odyssey was a tough game, a really tough one. Some gamers took it as a rite of passage and some decided it was a write-off, but in New and Tasty we wanted to cater for everyone. Yep, Abe's new adventure comes with three such difficulty levels aptly named Easy, Normal and Hard. Our intention with hard mode was to ensure that Odyssey fans could dive into New and Tasty with an experience akin to the original. Of course, New and Tasty is a brand new game, so there are some brand new challenges to overcome. But we've also ensured that Sligs can still take you down with just one shot and Scrabs are just as nasty as they've ever been. Normal mode, however, offers up a more forgiving learning curve. Abe has a health system that comes into its own on the lower two difficulties. Enemies will whittle down his health shot by shot, bite by bite, rather than instantly erase our favourite Mudokon from the world with a single bullet or tooth. And if all that's still too much of a trial, and I have to say, my interjection here, um, you could still die pretty quickly on normal difficulty. Uh, Easy mode means that players can relax a little more, enjoy the scenery and not really worry a great deal about making it out alive. Chances are that most players will be able to find their way to the end of the game in easy mode, not something that could be said about the original. It's not just the basics that change for each difficulty level though. We've ensured that there are a whole host of subtle differences throughout which makes the game feel much more organic. For example, how much Abe hurts himself from long falls, the number of grenades he can carry, the time taken for Sligs to realise what's happening, and even the time between bee stings. In short, almost every hazard in the game has been tuned to suit a wide range of skill levels. That said, regardless of the difficulty setting, you've still got the improved checkpoint locations and the ability to quick save and quick load at any time. Of course, purists can opt to leave quick save well alone, but we think it's a great new feature to have. And it means that if you're interrupted or wish to continue playing on the Vita, you can carry on exactly where you left it. If they ever release the Vita version, injection there for me, Uh, not just the current level or the current checkpoint, but precisely where you quicksaved. 
We think we've got just the right balance in you and Tasty between providing a challenge for the hardcore fans and ensuring the game is much more enjoyable for everyone else. You'll still need skill, determination and a certain amount of luck, but hopefully you'll be raring to jump back into the action instead of throwing that controller at the wall. So there you have it. The purists can still play play it in, in the, the original. Really tough, but I, I think for most people, normal will probably prove challenging enough, even with the quick saves. Uh-huh. Anyway, back to our final three-word review, and this is from Just Add Water's own Stuart Gilray. Uh, he says, exquisite platform action. As well he might. And thanks ever so much. We always love it when developers respond with a three-word review. Maybe we'll try and persuade him to listen to this podcast as well. Now, to summarise briefly, would we recommend uh, Abe's Odyssey or New and Tasty? And I'm going to start with uh, a quick word to say I think I would recommend it. Um, especially if you've already got it for free via PlayStation Plus, if you're doing like sensible PlayStation owners do and add everything they ever give you to your download list every month and then, you know, keep them, saw them up for a rainy day, you've got a really, you know, a really gorgeous production there waiting for you to enjoy. Now, I come back to the fact that really prescriptive solve it or die gameplay is not my favourite personal kind of gameplay. Um, but as far as these kind of games go, the the gorgeous art, the character, the the story, even with its softened edges and stuff. Well, I suppose the story's not softened, but the some of the presentation of the story and the storytelling has been softened ever so slightly. Um, absolutely kept me wanting to play this all the way through to the end, even when there were glitchy and uh, sections. There there are a few little odd odd bits of behaviour and physics and stuff like that that I don't think are uh, consistent with the 2D original. Um, and there are some definite frustrations in terms of controls, although maybe if I'd switched to the alternate method and remembered there was a, an instant quick save earlier on, that might have softened a lot of that in itself as well. The thing that really struck me about this, as well as the surprise of all the bits I didn't know about, the mechanics, the areas I didn't know about, is the fact that in uh, in a time when we're seeing games like Vessel and Tesla Grad and the Swapper released modern uh, 2D arcade action puzzle platformers, this feels kind of fresh as a daisy, really. Um, it's It wasn't actually a new concept back then. It reminded me of other older games particularly flashback, but actually it still feels completely fresh, really, um, because, yeah, it's kind of a timeless genre uh, implemented and uh, executed beautifully. So, um, yes, I do recommend it with with caveats that you might get frustrated at points. Josh? So, obviously, uh, as you've probably, you know, figured out listening to this podcast, I do have... A lot of nostalgia wrapped up in this game and it's hard for me to look at the originals without those you know massive pair of rose-tinted glasses but I think even without that I think they stand up well to the test of time I think the uh, art direction is unique and really um, uh, a, a really impressive balancing act of both cute uh, and silly, but also scary and intimidating. Um, I think the use of music as part of the game design is really impressive, and I've I've always been impressed with how the game manages to focus in on a mechanical kind of thesis statement it's going to explore in each area of the game. 
Um, I think you can't really go wrong with either version of the game. I think, as as we've discussed in the podcast, I think the originals have a slightly darker, more mature atmosphere. And, you know, personally, I would lean towards the original. Um, but new and tasty, you can't go wrong with it. I think it's a fantastic little game. Um, and a lot of my reasons for preferring the original are personal. I think you can't go wrong with new and tasty. Lovely stuff. Thank you, Josh. Let's conclude with the Gargette. Mm. So, yeah, uh, Oddworld, the series, kind of passed me by since playing the PS1 demo. You know, Exodus came out and I had no interest in playing it because I hadn't played the first one, you know, other than the, the, the brief, well, you know, the time of the demo. Uh, Munchies Odyssey happened and I never played it purely. I don't know why. I guess it was a launch game I wasn't really interested in because it wasn't Halo. So I, I missed that one. But then my interest in the series peaked with uh, Stranger's Wrath that game really struck a chord with me both on release and um, you know with the HD update from Just Add Water so that prompted me to get back into the series uh, with New and Tasty and I'm really glad I did you know I've got a lot of um, shortcomings um, you know I've got some um, misgivings yeah you know you know, just uh, you know, some critiques of the game but that didn't stop me from enjoying it from start to finish you know it took me about seven hours to finish it and you know i I reckon I'd, I'd play it again, give it enough time. You know, if it, when Exodus, if Exodus New and Tasty was to happen or whatever they're going to call it, then I'll, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll probably play it again or I'll have a little dabble and see what happens. And I, I'll have a good time. I do lean towards the original's aesthetic, but I understand why they'd want to make it more, uh, well, I, I guess less oppressive and gritty because they want to appeal to a different market or maybe a broader market. Um, but yeah, you know, if they do make another hd version of a game i will definitely play it and uh, i'll probably play it on the playstation because that's where the series is one of those series that kind of has its home but it's not really exclusive to that format you know mm. it's kind of like some like the metal gear series i'd always play it on playstation because that's where i played my first experience with that mm. series so yeah uh, i liked new and tasty and uh, I'd, I'd recommend playing it brilliant hmm. So it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Darren and Josh and to tell you that next time in issue 199, either you come with us willingly or we cut off your hands and bitch slap you with them all the way to where we're going. Just cause two. Thank you.